0: Um, I, didn't, I don't have this formal talk prepared, although um, there's lots of things we could talk about that um, I think are interesting, that may not be what you think is interesting. So um, I was, um, first let me just ask if anyone has any questions about meditation practice or any Dharma kind of questions? So if things come up, you know, you can you you can ask. But let me just ask you a question. I was just thinking as I rang the bell here, and I was thinking about times when I've been in meditation where um, I couldn't wait for the bell to ring. I was just kind of in hell, you know, just oh, when's it going to ring? When's it going to ring? And the bell would ring. Nothing else would change. I wouldn't move. All of a sudden, it's just, ah. Nothing changed except the bell rang. I don't know if anybody experienced that. There's a few heads nodding, right? Well, what's that? That's just, you know, we just create that in our minds, right? Our whole experience of uh, ease and ah or suffering was just completely, in that case, just created. We just made it up. It just sh- points to the power of our minds to create our own experience. Really, we don't create our experience in the sense that you know, if I touch this, it's cool right now. So there's a feeling of coolness. I'm not saying that I'm creating that experience. You know, like we could get into some philosophical or metaphysical discussion of whether, but no, that's just. I feel it, but it's everything I make about it, right? It's everything I make about it. So, um, and that really is the heart of Buddhist teaching. I know a lot of people here probably, well, some may consider themselves Buddhists and others may not want to, or you know, put that label on themselves or anything, but um, so you don't have to be a Buddhist. I keep saying Buddhist teaching and the Buddha because um, um, that's just my style. But those Dharma teachings basically are about uh, finding freedom in our lives through letting go of grasping and clinging. That's really the heart of the whole teaching, which sounds like when you hear that, it's so simple, right? When we're suffering, when we're grasping onto something. Um, and we're trying to hold on to something that we want because if that's what we want or it's pleasurable and it's, we can't hold on to it, we suffer. Or well, when we're trying to keep away what we don't want and we're getting it, that's suffering. So if someone were to say, you know, during those times try to just let go you know, to some extent and then there'll be a little more kind of ease around the experience you know when i hear that i think oh well sure that sounds great it's, it sounds so simple but it's hard to do right it's very very hard to do just that simple thing it's very very difficult to do and i know when i look into my own life and i imagine that's true it's true for many of us um, you know i just look as i go through my day and how much i'm just caught in suffering and it's just you know, I like this, I don't like that, and I see some person, and oh, I don't like them, and I want to get this, and just, just, it's really my whole day, really. It's kind of like that, right? And I don't think about it, I'm just kind of automatically going through life. So really, one way to think about the meditation practice, and I know all of us have different uh, motivations for wanting to practice, and we probably all come from many different reasons, but probably most of us share one thing in common, I would think. We want to get a little... You may not use this these, this exact way of saying it, but we want to kind of ease our suffering a little in life. You know, life's all the difficulties of just life. And we're trying to just get some relief. That's... I think many people may not use those words, but that would be true for them. So what is it about just paying it, just, you know, watching the with our breath and calming the mind that, that does that my take on it is is that when we when we have not examined ourselves when we just live kind of on the surface appearance and we're just caught up in everything we're at the we're, we're at the effect of things because we're not seeing what's going on you know we're just kind of on autopilot and life's just kind of sweeping us along in whichever way it's going you know and we're just caught and you know and we're just at the effect. And that's really, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that our our peace, our happiness, is just dependent on sort of the, what, how would you say, the vicissitudes of life, you know, the winds of life blow this way or blow that way. And, of course, we're all doing our best to set up our lives in the best way we can, right? Nobody's trying to... Um, We're all, you know, I say this all the time, but it really is so true. All of us, I mean, I I only know a few people here, but this is true for every one of us in this room. We're trying to get more of what we want, and we're trying to get less of what we don't want. That's really kind of one way to, it's kind of a, sounds silly to say that, but really it's true. Nobody's trying to get, less of what they want. Nobody's trying to get more of what they don't want, whatever that is. And so we may may be more or less skillful in the ways we go about doing that, but that's really kind of our motivation of what we're trying to do. That's fine. No problem. Except... While we're doing that, of course, we're not going to stop doing that. None of us are going to stop doing that, right? We should pay attention to our lives and try and create what, you know, head our lives in the directions we want to go. So we'll keep doing that, and we'll be more or less successful at it. And in the process, we're going to get what we get. Despite our best efforts, we're going to get what we get. So in the process of Everything we're going to, through about creating happiness in our lives and setting it up that way, can we find some sense of ease of being with our lives just as it is? Is that possible? It's kind of a question. I don't know. You know, we have to kind of ask ourselves, well, you know, can I um, find a way to be in relationship with myself and my relationship? And it's really kind of in harmony with. The world and myself, rather than being in an adversarial relationship with life and with myself, which I, I think many people, I certainly, a lot of, a fair amount of the time in my life, I would say I'm actually in an adversarial relationship with myself, with my own being, with my whole, just my core of experience. I'm just kind of in, I don't like it. That's this idea of, of in the meditation practice as we're able to cultivate certain qualities of, of maybe a little bit of concentration, ability in our mindfulness, and we as we as that grows, we're able to more go a little deeper, but what that deeper is is just looking closely at the, this the nature of ourselves and of our experience and as we do that, to start to Um, as we become more aware of it, we're less at the effect and we're more just kind of more aware of it and we can find a way of being in relationship to it. So just take, for example, we could take anything. But By the way, um, I'm just kind of... um, I just kind of got going on a topic. I don't know if this... um, I'll keep talking about it a little bit. Maybe we'll stop and there might be some questions. Well, to me, this is kind of the core of Dharma, really. Um, So just think of anything like... um, Okay, I'll come to that in a minute. Let me just finish this one thing. Uh, that's a that's a great one, by the way. Let's let's let, what's a thought? Just look at what a thought is, right? I don't. None of us know what it is, but I mean, there's something there, right? When we don't look closely and we're just kind of on autopilot, look how much power our thoughts have. It just drives us, runs us, everything. You know that. Voice in the head of, you know, you're walking and you see somebody, and oh, there, whatever, and the voice goes, and we just believe it, we're in it, we're identified with it. It's real. Or whatever, you know. Oh, my God, I have to call so-and-so tonight, and it's going to be, there goes the voice, and we're just in it. It may be real or not. But if you actually try to go and look and see what a thought is, there is something there, but it's not much. It's pretty thin, Right? It's ephemeral. You can't grasp it. It's just there was a little something, maybe a, a sound in the head. It's just almost oh, a wisp. of. It's almost not even anything. It's there, but it's... You can. When you see that, it, you know, but look at the power it has unexamined, but the power it examined we can just, when we can start to see, oh, thoughts. It's just one example. You can look and take anything like that. So we're just trying to find a way... Of finding a way of ease of being in relationship to life, really. And sometimes, many times, whatever's going on, you know, that might be nice to say, oh, I'm going to let go and have an ease of being, but, you know, that's easy to say when we're kind of here and maybe we're meditating and everything. But then if you go out and, depending on what's going on, for most of us, for me, you know, it doesn't have to ratchet up too strong where it gets a little, more difficult to find that ease of being because what's going on is really difficult, you know. Right? And then what's actually real then is that the real in that situation what's really real is I can't be with much equanimity with this experience. I am caught up in this experience, right? And then we, that's what's real. We have to acknowledge that and and have some acceptance in ourselves for that and not judge yourselves. Oh, I'm supposed to be... I'm a meditator and, um, you know, I had a... I'll, let me just say one more thing and then we'll come to the board. So um, last... Um, I don't know if I shared this story here before in Palo Alto, but um, so last spring... My father is... Um, um, has advanced Parkinson's disease and he's in quite poor health and has been for many, many years. And it's, anyway, it's very stressful on my family, my mother and my brothers, and it's very stressful. So um, some of you probably are either going through or have been through family difficulties around health matters of people in the family. And, you know, it can be very, very stressful. So I was back there for a week in the spring because my father got sick and actually didn't think he was going to make it. He did survive and he's still still alive. But it was a very difficult week. And everybody in the family had a different view. You know, my mother just wants to do anything to help keep him alive. And I was more saying, you know, don't, don't hasten his death, but make him comfortable. Let the man go. You know, we all had these different views. It got very, very tense. No one slept for the whole week. And all our just old family stuff came up. So the reason I'm telling you this is, is towards the end of the week, or maybe it was a week and a half, we were just frazzled. My brother comes in, and we, he started whatever. He lost his, started yelling or whatever. I just lost my mind. I just started screaming at him in the hospital room. And I don't even want to tell you what I said, because it was about as nasty... As it gets. I mean, really, as I look back on it, it was actually quite painful, and I had to really acknowledge that, you know what, I can have a part in me that really I would say is pretty ugly, that that the potential for that is there. I mean, it was an extreme situation, but I had to acknowledge that. So, what happens then? My brother comes running up to me, he starts screaming at me. I'm screaming back. We're in the hospital room. There's my father. He's unconscious, but, you know, it's just like we just went crazy. He comes up. He puts his face about an inch from mine, beet red, and he says, come on, we're going out in the parking lot. Let's go. (laughs) And here's me. I've been a meditator for like 30-something years, you know. I said, great, let's go. (laughs) We took about 10 steps. Fortunately, I kind of regained my sanity or woke up, and I just went... And I said to him... <laughs> <laughs> I said, I just woke up and said to him, wait a minute, Robert... That's my brother, Robert. We're not going to fight. Come on. And sort of, I sort of snapped out of it and woke up. And then we talked a little. And we actually, we have reconciled, and it's better. And I was joking because um, I could see the headlines. Richard Shankman long time Buddhist meditator <laughs> arrested on assault charges <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is when it gets we then we have to acknowledge you know that that's what you know I did that that's that potential is is in me, so we try to find our way a way of being in relationship to it, and sometimes we're just caught and lost in it, and through it all really there's just we need a lot of self-acceptance, deep self-acceptance to it all. That's just my own opinion. So anyway, what is it about boredom? You said, what about boredom? Yeah. What, what are you thinking, or? Why does it happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you... Why does anything happen? Well, I mean, clearly it's a state of mind, right? Right. I mean, you can be bored when there are really interesting things going on, or So what's going on when you're not able to engage? Well, it could be several things. I don't know specifically, and we could, we won't do it now, but we could, and if you want later, we could take a, a really specific situation and kind of explore down in and see what's going on there. But when you can't engage, sometimes you can't engage, this isn't the boredom, but sometimes you can't engage because it's too painful or unpleasant and You know, we talk about in the meditation practice of um, working with whatever comes up. So, if there's pleasantness, we're working with that, kind of with with mindfulness. Or if it's unpleasant, but if it gets really strong, either it's too much for us, and the aversion gets so strong that we're not able to be there with mindfulness. We're just lost in the aversion. And maybe even this most skillful thing is to not be with it in those cases and say, "Oh," and to know when it's time and it's too much to to back off from something and for me the gauge is to the extent I'm able to be aware of it is it doesn't matter if it's pleasant or unpleasant as long as I'm able to be with it with mindfulness and when it gets strong enough where I'm too the, either the pleasure is so strong that you're just swept up in it or the pain is the aversion is so strong that you can't work with it skillfully you're just lost in it and it's really, so that's one thing way in which we can't be with something Boredom is, I mean, I don't know the answer to what boredom is. I'm just, maybe we'll have a dialogue about it. But for me, it's its the times when um, I don't really get a lot of boredom in my meditation practice. Um, I don't know about life or meditation, what you're referring to. But, uh, well, it's all it's all life. You know, when you sit to meditate, that's just life. It's just life that looks like sitting in some position with your eyes closed. It's no different than going to w- being at work. It's just that moment, right? So it's all life, really. Um, you, know, w- you know, we want to be, I don't know, we I think it's pretty obvious to me, we want to be interested. We want, I mean, look at the whole um, well, think about the whole entertainment industry, which is, you know, we give a whole, like, what are the Academy Awards, really? I'm kind of saying it in a joking way, but, but it just sort of strikes me. We have this huge award festival, we make a big deal because you did the best job of anyone of getting me out of my boredom where I got to escape away into this, like you were the one who did it the best. We're going to put you up on this pedestal and give you this big award and I didn't have to just be with myself better than anybody else. You really got me out of my experience. I was just gone for two and a half hours in that movie. It was great. You took me away. You know, we just honor and revere people who can do that the best. I mean, really, I don't know. You may not agree with that, but it sort of strikes me that way. I haven't really, you know, I'm sort of talking stream of consciousness here, but uh, that that sort of seems that way. Is there some form of aversion in boring, Maybe it's like a subtle form of aversion. Well, I mean, there's certainly. Let's put it this way. I'm not sure. Uh, have, we'd have to kind of think about that a little, but it certainly seems like we have—we do have—not so subtle aversion to boredom. Right, but I guess I, I thought the boredom itself was a very subtle form of aversion. Like you don't really—you don't really want to be there for it. It's yeah. Like, oh, this is this is not somehow this is not worth me or it's not worth mm-hmm. my attention or there's like a yeah. slight. Well, and, you know, it's easy to uh, explore with this a little bit. Just take, take some time. Where Go to where you live. And sometime go there. And don't engage in anything that you might know. So you don't turn on the TV. No music. Don't answer the telephone. Don't talk to anyone. Don't pick up a book. Just sit down in a chair on your couch and just sit there. Don't meditate, not meditate. Just sit there. You know? How, how long can we do it? <laughs> just sit there. Nobody's going to be messing around with you. It's just no problem. It's like you really just can't do it for very long, right? You'd go crazy. I mean, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, don't know everyone. I'm sort of making a generalization. Actually, about um, maybe three or four months ago, I had a situation in which um, I had a lot of... I was. This happened on a Friday, and there was a few in, uh, things that happened that sort of came together, and I was really in a lot of suffering and in a lot of self-doubt and just a lot of my own inner stuff was just up and I was really, really suffering a lot. And it just happened. And I'd never done this before. It really came to peak. And then I woke up Saturday morning just in it so much. And I, I did actually take a day. It, was a, it turned out to be just really a very fruitful day. I took a day. That, I didn't have anything planned, it turned out. And I kept feeling myself wanting to, you know, you want to fix it. We don't want to be with that. And I just sat on my couch. And I did exactly actually what I just described. I didn't go out. I didn't go shopping for groceries. I didn't get engaged in any of the projects. Nothing. I just quietly sat there on my couch and just allowing this experience to just be there. I didn't try not to get all hooked and identified with it, but not pushing it away and just letting this just painful experience be. And just sit there. And actually, I pretty much spent the whole day I wasn't meditating, just connecting with it and being with it and letting go. And it kind of all, you know, it all just arose and passed away and flowed through in its own way. And then through the day it kind of lessened. And it just happened in this case that it kind of melted away a little later and that was the day. I mean, it is true that that um, it's hard for us so often just to be with our experience and who and what we are. We want something else. In meditation, what is it, you know, we want to I don't know what it is. Be better, get better. We're we're leaning into the future. You know, even, you know, sometimes if those of you have maybe done some retreats or something, you can get some deep concentration and it can be very blissful and and you're just, you know, you want to lean into that get more, you know, It's just uh, that's just our nature, I think, as, be- as human beings. We're not going to stop wanting to get more of what we want and less of what we don't want. I don't think we're ever going to stop doing that. But we can start to just recognize that that's kind of part of being a human being and just kind of get some relaxation around it a little bit. That's the whole thing of just letting go. That's when the Buddhist talked about um, a phrase that he used so often was liberation through non-clinging. So when we talk about liberation, we don't have to think about, you know, there's something like it's nirvana, and this is what's enlightenment, and we're going to merge into some. No. It's the truth of Life and of existence is right. We know what our truth is. Our truth is here. It's, it's right in the feel. There's the coolness. The, that's experience. It, it, it just is. That's the truth. That's the truth in this moment. You know, whatever our experience is, that's our truth. I don't know. Yes. Because I'm sure that you're not talking about not striving to improve yourself or to reach a goal, Right. but I, ha- I have a hard time right. understanding Yeah. The and by the way, um, that's a chance for me to plug this class coming up uh, this Saturday. There are flyers out there, and it's exactly on this topic. It's going to be down at St. Mark's Church uh, Saturday, and there's plenty of space if people want to come. But we're going to spend a day on that exact topic. So I can give you my take on it, and actually if other people have a, have thoughts on it too, it would be good to hear. So it's true that... There's a difference between cultivating and developing qualities and this striving has a different connotation. So... Um, it's true the Buddha talked about, used this phrase, like liberation, finding our freedom in life by not clinging, just learning to let go more, right? Which really implies a deep acceptance with things as they are, not struggling against who we are if we don't like them, just really a deep acceptance of ourselves in life. It's a radical self-acceptance practice, Okay. But if I were to say, or someone were to say, "Don't just stop clinging," you couldn't do it, right? Not picking on you. It's me. It's right. You couldn't. I mean, you could do it in a moment. But it's all our conditioning or habits of mind, or all the things that are still in there, those seeds of that are waiting to sprout. That when the conditions come together, are going to just hook us back in again. See, all of us have experienced moments of liberation, moments where we were really just not uh, the sense of, we may not have even been that self-aware in the moment. We were just in the flow of life. We weren't particularly in aversion. We weren't particularly grasping and clinging. We were just kind of maybe a little happy and open and free. just in the moment. We've all experienced moments of it. The problem is um, those parts in us that hook us back in when the right, situation happens haven't been uprooted so we still have the seeds of the potential and then we keep getting hooked back in right so where the cultivation comes in is developing some mindfulness to be able to see more clearly to help us be present with what is so yes we are developing some qualities it's 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 not really a paradox, but maybe a little bit. I mean, we are developing. It. Ultimately, our meditation practice is just this this arising and passing away flow of experience, and we're we're learning to just be open. It's it's a training for when we get up from the cushion and go out, or from the chair and go out into life. That's really what meditation is. It's just a, a practice. That's why I call it practice, right? We're learning to, to apply it just into our lives. If we j- can only do it on the cushion, I don't know if it's very useful. But can we do it in our relationships? And everything, So we're practicing. So we are, in a sense, developing qualities. And the Buddha talked about this a lot, of concentration, mindfulness. Um, the same thing about developing uh, what they call seal of the morality, living our lives in a way of, of, of non-harming to ourselves and others. All these qualities that we can develop. So to help us just be here and now, more fully. If we fall into a striving, because everything's just—it's it's just a matter of balance. So let's just put it this way: Sometimes we want to be cultivating qualities that's probably useful for us, right? Oh, I'm a, I'm just, i am just—I tend to get angry. I need to kind of work on that a little bit, and that might be very healthy and what we should be doing. Okay, but if we get too much into the striving and all of a sudden it's gotten out of balance now to where it's like we don't even have some acceptance for who we are because we have to maybe we do in this example maybe we do have to acknowledge well you know yeah you know what there is i tend to get angry and we want to just have some give ourselves a break and be accepting accepting if we get too much in striving we can get an aversion to ourselves and it's not okay for me to be who and what i am then maybe the flavor of our practice can shift a little over more to the flavor of just allowing and letting go and accepting and just being with and not so much the cultivating. And then that allows us to kind of be more. And that might be what's more useful in, the, in that time. But if, we get, if that gets out of balance, it can get into, well, you know, I don't have to try or do anything and everything. So it's all, we tend to go back and forth between the, both flavors of cultivating and, so, and, and being and with and accepting. The striving is maybe getting a little out of balance. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it, 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 it's a matter of wanting to change or grow. I mean, that in itself implies a non-acceptance. In, well, well, I don't know. It's but see, see, look. This is kind of getting to this what we talked about on Monday night about no preferences, right? So. About this, were any of you here Monday night? I don't want to go. uh. Well, basically, we were talking about that there was the third Chinese patriarch who was this guy who lived, you know, a few thousand years ago said this famous quote, The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences, which I find to be a very beautiful quote. You have to kind of look and say, Well, what does that mean? They have no preferences, of course, we have preferences, you know. We have all kinds of preferences. We're not going to stop having preferences. We don't say, "Well, September 11th, that terrorist attack. Well, you know, it, if it happened or didn't, all the same to me, because I don't have any preferences." No, it doesn't <clears> mean that. All we all we have lots of preferences, but it's learning. Uh, it's more about just finding that way of being in relationship to ourselves without the struggle. So once again, and the Buddha also talked about this a lot, there's sort of a healthy sense of wanting to grow, right? It's a real positive thing, right? If we want to develop, say, a loving heart, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I I value that, and for people who value that, you know, I think it's a, you know, according to my value system, it's a very positive thing to work on. So we would maybe want to, Cultivate that a little bit. And I guess you could say, you know, strictly speaking, technically, well, yeah, it's like getting, you know, changing or getting something where where you're not, right? But there's another way you can look at it, too. Sometimes when we're talking about developing positive qualities, it's just like in... um, Sometimes you'll hear people say, you know, in Buddhism they talk about this whole idea of non-self. And I don't know if that gets talked about here, right? So Buddhism talks about non-self. All it means is we don't want to constrict... It doesn't mean you don't have a self. Everybody's got a self. We're all here. We all exist. What it just means is... We, we, but, you know, we, if we try to fix ourselves in something fixed that can never change, We suffer. As we learn to just be open to just the 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 this beautiful magical unfolding of ourselves that change, then we're not having to be any fixed thing, and we can be open to be anything. That's kind of the idea of it. So it's not this negative, like nihilistic, you don't exist. It's actually a very beautiful uh, opening to the flow of our being. Okay, that's sort of the no self thing. Well, sometimes in, in people will say something like you have to have a healthy sense of self to have no self. And people say, well, what does that mean? If we look at what it means when we typically think of not having a healthy sense of self, generally those are the areas like, you know, where we're, I don't know, whatever. We have poor self-esteem or... Shame issues, or whatever our things are, and if they're really, really strong, that might be the kind of terminology someone might say, like not a good sense of self, or we don't have boundary issues, or what I'm not a psychologist, but you know, so I might not be saying it right, but uh, you know, that kind of thing. Those tend to be the areas where we're the most caught, the most identified, the most hooked in. When we heal those up, the more we heal them, we don't have to create some new thing we call this healthy sense of self. It's just by healing up those areas where we're the most caught that we would tend to say one way to say it is we tend to get, we're getting a healthier sense of self. But another thing is we're just healing up the, the wounded places. We don't have to create this other thing we call a healthy sense of self. It just kind of arises by healing up the wounded places. And it's the same thing about cultivating, sometimes it can be like on a, like you're saying, if we want to be more loving, if our heart's closed, well, what is it about a closed heart? You know, I don't know. It's, but whatever, if we, want, if we choose to look there and want to work in those areas, I'm just making an example. Um, if we have some healings, for example, that needs to be done, it always starts with some self-acceptance there, and that, and out of that a healing happens that sort of is a natural opening of the heart and sort of what we would call becoming to more of an open, loving heart. We didn't necessarily have to even strive to anything. It's just more of a... It really does all start with a, with this deep self-acceptance, right? I don't know, is this making any sense? I'm kind of just rambling along. here. I mean, I knew someone once. We had this conversation uh, who was doing these, um, which I think might be a nice thing to do, but it was doing affirmations which I think can be very helpful. I haven't worked with them that much. But they were, whatever they would say, you know, I'm a confident such and such kind of person, and they were just doing these affirmations. And I said to them, you know, you sh- no, you're not. <laughs> what you should be saying is, it's like, I'm a scared person. You don't want to cultivate that, but just acknowledge that. And then from there... You know, just to, And let that be okay, just to kind of open and say, you know what, I'm a scared person. I have bad self-esteem. I can talk to you, believe me, from my own experience about poor self-esteem. And, and, you, know, and you need to kind of just recognize it first. That's the self-acceptance. And then from there, not with, and it's no good, I want to get rid of it, but just, just with a lot of love and tenderness and care for ourselves then we can start to open up into where we want to cultivate. But always starting with the self-acceptance. Anybody else have any thoughts or comments? It doesn't have to be something that you know, I have to respond back to. Maybe you have your own comments. or. When you began, you asked about breathing, whether you had any questions about breathing. Oh, yes. And I have <coughs> since developed one, and that is, <laughs> and then in reverse, trying to go up almost through the head. It was a bit thoughtful, though. When you say thoughtful, what do you mean? I, it, it was a little too forced. It felt too forced. So you were trying to do a, you were trying to trying to have a, the breath be a particular way. Yes. Mm-hmm. whatever reason that is working better for me. That seems somewhat counterintuitive. And for that reason, I was curious to know other reading techniques that you have used. Well, that's a huge topic. And I just want to say just one thing just very briefly about it. Well, two things. First is... um, there's no right or wrong for everything because there are so many styles of meditation, there's so many reasons why we all choose to do our whatever our spiritual practice is, even if it's not meditation, or and within the realm of meditation, many, many different motivations and types of meditation. And even within what we would call Buddhism, there's so many different, I mean it's just vast. It is vast. So that's why, and the reason there's so many different is because people will find, oh, this boy, this is working for me, I relate to this. And other people might feel like, no, no, you know what, oh, no, I don't like that. Oh, this other one over here, wow, that's the one for me. And so um, that's why there are a lot, of, there is no one right. And I just want to make sure that that's clear. So having said that, in Vipassana practice, in Vipassana also there's many styles of, um, Vipassana practice. There's not just one, and and actually, even Vipassana practice. There's different teachers who, uh, oh no, that that teacher over there. That's don't do that. No, no, no. Another teacher. No, no. This is the way. Don't do that. And not everybody does. But I'm just saying. So you just have to be aware of that. So if we're using meditation, which I don't know if you are, to um, if, it's, if it gets back to liberation through non-clinging... To, I would say you give me those words on Monday night I thought they were quite well. Okay, right. So just opening really in a deep way to the reality and the flow of our lives to really be in harmony with life, if you will. One way you can think of working with the breath in that context is that really there's nothing special about the breath compared to any other experience that's arising, whatever's real and true. In a moment. A right. And we tend to use it for several reasons. One is it, it, it it's it's there. It's kind of generally for most people, and this is not true for everyone, it tends to be kind of neutral. That is not true for everyone. And you know, um, but you know, and and for those people that it's not true, we may pick another primary object. We use it kind of as a home base, a resting place. So In this practice, we're not really trying to have... We let the breath be whatever it is. Let the body breathe itself, if you will. We're not controlling it or trying to have a long or short. We're trying to find the place in the body where we can actually experience the physical sensations of the breath, the clearest and the easiest. So for some people, it may be the air entering and leaving at the nostrils or up in the sinus. You can just feel that coolness of air. For some it may be the physical feeling of the belly, the abdomen, or the chest rising and falling. For some it's in the throat. Or it can be the whole breath. So people will find their own. It doesn't matter which. And then we rest the awareness with the breath. With the, we, with the, it's not a visualization technique. It's actually with connecting with the physical body sensation of the breathing. Okay? And we just stay with it. The mind's going to wander off, lost in thought. When you wake up, you you don't need to worry about it because when you're lost, you can't do anything about it anyway. You're just gone. So no big deal. No problem. When you wake up, so you don't need to be in a struggle to try and stay present, right? You just be with the breath. A little bit of effort and energy, but just easy. Open, free, clear, awake. When you're gone, just let yourself be gone. No big deal. Can't stop it. Once you wake up and go, oh, I've been gone. No big deal. Don't make a struggle. You just come back and you just keep returning to the breath over and over. That's kind of a starting point in Vipassana practice. What that does is it develops some concentration over time, the ability of the mind to settle down and just to really not get pulled off as much. And as you stay with practice, it, it will develop more. And it develops mindfulness, which is different than concentration. Concentration is the ability to stay connected with, in, to not be pulled off something. Mindfulness is the actual knowing something. Okay, so we actually are aware of the physical feelings. We actually know. And so, if, for example, if you're, if you're feeling the breath at the nose, and if it's like a coolness, you can actually know the cool the coolness. Okay? So we work the breath, and then over time. You, you can stay with the breath. Really, you, your whole practice could just be with the breath, and that's fine. And there's also ways we can open up to the whole range of our experience then later on of other sensations in the body and thoughts and emotions, and we can work with them in the same way, being present in the moment for what's opening an experience. Is that So that's kind of a... And focusing on the <coughs> sensation yeah. as opposed to a more yeah. yeah. And also, you may want to experiment. If it, has anyone ever talked to you about using a, a mental note or mental labeling technique? Mm-hmm. So just one last thing, if I can tell you, just for completeness. And some people find this really helpful and some people don't like it at all. I think it's maybe 50-50 if you took a poll of people. So you may not... You can see if it's useful for you. Say, w- w- where you're kind of connecting with the breath you can make a soft mental note just to help direct the mind to the physical experience like in, out, or rising, falling, just to help direct the mind a little bit that way, if it's useful. We only have a few minutes left. So this is what happens when, you know, I, you know, someone comes in and hasn't planned out a talk or anything. It just kind of goes wherever it goes. So. Anything else? Questions? Comments? It doesn't have to be positive. Maybe you think that all this stuff's... Bunch of hooey, like my brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it, did you do some metta practice or just a quiet sitting? Either way, whatever. whatever you know. what? I like to do a, just a little metta, but um, how about if we do this? We have um, 10 minutes left. Perhaps we could sit in silence and then, at the, just the very last two or three minutes, maybe just do a little meta. Would that be all right for everyone? As we're sitting. I invite you to notice not only your experience in this moment, but the relationship you're having with this experience. Can we find a way to be open to our experience in a very accepting, free way? In a way, giving up the struggle, really settling into what is. And if we cannot, if we're not able to just be open with our experience, it is to just acknowledge that and to hold ourselves with great kindness. Great acceptance, even for that. So it's very important in, when we do metta, loving-kindness practice, or actually in any practice, or in life in general, it's it's the self-acceptance is very, very important starting with who and what we are, as we are, just what is actually real and true. And then from that place, connecting in with whatever's going on in the body, and in the heart and the mind. And then with um, a sense of kindness towards ourselves, To send that metta towards ourselves. Sometimes when we do metta practice, we may not actually feel feelings of loving kindness, and that's fine. It's not important what we feel. This is a practice of, it is a practice of cultivation there's no question about it and it's about the power over time of, of growing this metta this quality of loving kindness within ourselves so it's like planting seeds and it's the power of the mind to, as we work with this um, over time and really as a lifelong practice If we don't feel loving kindness, we can still just mm, work on just directing the mind generally in that direction. And if it's useful, you can repeat silently to yourself there are some traditional phrases that I'll give, or you can make up any phrases of your own, or you don't have to use any phrases. And the traditional phrases which we often use are very simple May I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be free from suffering. And then um, you can allow, if you wish, you can allow your awareness to expand out to all of the other people here in the room. And to begin with, holding everyone here with the same great self-acceptance, as much as you can. Sometimes we can't, and that's fine too but just to the extent we can, opening our hearts. And if once again, if it's useful, you could repeat some of the phrases. Just as I wish to be happy, may everyone here be happy. And just as I wish to be peaceful, may everyone here be peaceful. And just as I wish to be free from suffering, may everyone here be free from suffering. And then finally, um, to extend out Beyond this room and out into the community and out into the world, Um, sending this metta to all beings everywhere, in all directions, to those beings uh, near to us and far away, those known to us and unknown and those seen and unseen so we leave we don't leave out any living beings and once again wishing just as we wish to be happy may all beings everywhere be happy and may they be peaceful and free from suffering And then to end with this uh, poem from the Metta-sutta. These are the words of the Buddha on loving kindness. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings.